Welcome to Cinema Joes, the podcast where three average Joes discuss the significant topics in movie culture. My name is Justin Mancini. I'm also the co-host of Podwork Angels, The Rush Hour, which you can find as part of the Breakcast feed on thepopbreak.com. Uh, I'm very happy to be here, and I'm happy to introduce uh, one of my co-hosts. He is the podcast editor for thepopbreak.com, as well as the co-host of TV Break, Alex Marcus. Hello, Alex. Hey, Justin. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I uh, I just solved uh, a Rubik's cube. Um, I've learned all about uh, learned all the words that I need to to best anyone in Scrabble. I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I am most happy to uh, not be 22 and just graduated from college right now. Oh, oh <laughs> understatement. But it is you. You do still work at Meat Sticks, though, right? Yeah, but I'm a I'm a shift supervisor now, so it's like totally oh, different. Great. Real upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> Next stop um, manager. Yeah, but we unfortunately do not have our other co-host co-host here, Noah France, who of course is one of my co-hosts on Podwork Angels. But in his stead, we have a very special returning guest here on Cinema Joe's. She joined us, of course, for the Batman. Uh, and she's the co-host of Blurred Life with my wife, as well as Pop Break TV's Blurred Watchers podcast. Courtney Stevenson. Hello, Courtney. Hello. I'm glad to be back. And this time it's just me. Marshall is very jealous, but, you know, he'll deal. <laughs> yeah. He'll get his turn for a solo episode. Honestly, he's always asked to do, like, these other podcasts on the pop break. And I'm just like, what am I, chopped liver? So I'm very excited <laughs> to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. We're, we're very happy to have you back. We had a blast the last time. And, you know, we wanted to discuss a very similar movie to The Batman. So, of course, we'll be talking about Cha-Cha Real Smooth. I'm sure Another Marshall... disgruntled and slightly depressed white boy mm. in his 20s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're pretty much identical. Like, the same movie. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm sure one of these days Marshall will give us his take on the, on the Rafe-verse. Uh, but until then, uh, we will be talking about this film, uh, which, of course, is the sophomore effort from Cooper Rafe, who also stars in the film getting to all that we'll also be talking about some of the things we've been watching apart from cha-cha real smooth mm-hmm. guess i wanted to just start here with our with our guest uh as we jump into our full disclosure segment courtney did you want to tell us uh what's something good that you've been watching recently um you know honestly i feel bad we haven't really been watching a lot of i feel like the last movie we watched or went out to watch was um the fantastic beasts uh the secrets of dumbledore which I don't think got really good reviews and I understand why, but I was very entertained. Um, Outside that, we've honestly been watching a lot of Disney plus. Um, Very, very excited about uh, Miss Marvel. I mean, so far it's off to a great start for me. Um, And then we've been trying to catch up on some anime. So we've been watching spy family, which is also a delight, super funny uh, and just enough violence uh, to keep me going. Uh, and I'm trying to think what else we've been watching. Oh, The Boys, which is uh, a copious amount of violence. And this season, I don't know, it's, it's somehow more than the last two seasons. Uh, but very good. I'm I'm hooked. So, and we'll be talking about it on our other podcast on the pot break, uh, Blurred uh-huh. Watchers. So, you know, I'll just give you guys a little teaser and you can hop on over to that. 
Yeah, I have to say, I used, you talked about Spy Family last month, and I felt kind of like an insider because I got I heard about it from you guys first, and then I was listening to other podcasts, and we're like, oh, I've heard about this anime that's really good that people aren't talking about. And I was like, you should be listening to Blurred Watchers because you would have heard it there first. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that we are the trendsetters. <laughs> Absolutely. And just to further prove that, this is the first time I've even heard of it. So <laughs> You have to watch it. It's so cute. I'm assuming no relation to Spy Kids. No, <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's a, it's a little bit removed, um, but no, it's, it's really good. I think, I think most people would enjoy it. It's, it's a good time for everybody. So I, I, I am curious, Courtney, because you did say you were a fan of Secrets of Dumbledore. I have not yeah. seen past the first Fantastic Beasts movie, yeah. um, but I'm just curious. I know some people have, have taught, like, I know there was a plan. I have no idea. It's still the plan to do five films. Do you, do you personally want to see another movie in this series? I mean, so the biggest draw for me for this, uh, this next, or this movie that that just came out, um, was Mads Mikkelsen. Like I'm a huge fan of his. I, I love his work. Um, to me, there is no greater show than Hannibal. Um, and he playing uh, the titular char- character was amazing. Um, so I was excited to see him take up the mantle of Grindelwald. Um, I kind of hope that they do. I guess the other two, well, the other two movies, if it's going to be five, because I, I didn't feel like he got a chance to really act his best in this one. Uh, so I hope so. Uh, I would be interested despite like the plot holes and the inconsistencies so yeah my understanding is is that uh it's very much up in the air right now whether they'll do another one because of all of the sort of kind of controversy around the movie due to jk rowling's extracurricular activities uh and uh and also that it underperformed expectations and is like the lowest uh box office uh return of the franchise so it's still made a decent amount of money it still made more money than a lot of things but that not what they were expecting so it's kind of like up in the air whether we'll get that or we might end up just a uh, sort of like an hbo max original series in four years or something like that that's not as closely connected to jk rowling if you had a choice which would you prefer courtney would you like this to be continued or would you like to just like start fresh with like a, a high budget like marvel-esque tv show on hbo max I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad at the TV series. Um, I would have to insist that Hannibal reprise it, or not Hannibal. <laughs> I'm sorry. There we go. A Freudian slip. He's, he's Hannibal Rick- in my eyes as well. He's. So. I mean, I love that. He's fantastic on that show. It's like it's so. It's like it's amazing that for a character as iconic as Hannibal, that you could have a TV show about him and that that would become the most definitive version of the character. But anyone who has watched the show would agree with you that it is. So. I, I would hope if if they did it that way, I think that they would be able to do more. Um, and I would insist that Mads uh, reprise that role of Grindelwald. Um, you know, I unfortunately I do try not to think about uh, J.K. Rowling's personal opinions about things, but honestly, there's really no way to. She makes it hard to separate it. <laughs> yeah. I, it's very heartbreaking and I can understand why a lot of people are just like over it because you created this world with all these fantastical creatures and then it's like these things can exist but actual people 
you, you have an issue with and they should oh, i don't want to get political whatever uh yeah. i would hope i think it would do better as a series i also have to say alex uh, referring to what she's done as extracurricular activities may be a euphemism if i've ever heard it <laughs> so, <laughs> but i appreciate you know yeah. We, we don't want to get into the weeds just now. So I'm curious to see, Alex, what you've been watching. I've been watching a lot of MCU films for my uh, Bill versus the MCU podcast that I do on the Breakcast feed for PopBreak.com. Of course, I am not Bill. Bill is uh, Bo- Bill Bodkin, my co-host. Uh, together, we talk about uh, every single film in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, three or four movies at a time. Uh, this week, we talked about Thor Ragnarok, uh, Black Panther, uh, in Avengers Infinity War and Ant-Man and the Wasp, and that was biting off a little bit more than we could chew. So that actually is getting released in a two-part uh, episode. One that was uh, just out uh, a couple days ago, and the other one will be out on Saturday. So you can check out that to hear my thoughts on those movies if you don't remember when we reviewed all of those movies on this podcast, which we did at the time. Uh, so instead, I'm going to talk about a new movie that I saw in theaters. Uh, there were so many streaming movies that I wanted to watch this weekend. There's like um, the new Emma Thompson movie. There's Fire Island. Uh, there's inexplicably a Paramount Plus uh, original movie starring Annette Bening and, and Brian Cranston from the director of Devil Wears Prada that I only learned about today. It's been on the service for like four days now already. <laughs> like insane. So I didn't watch any of those. Instead, I went out to the theater and I saw uh, Jurassic World Dominion, which was very not good. <laughs> I don't want to waste too much time talking about it because I don't like to harp on bad things. But uh, it, I, you know... I thought that the first Jurassic World movie was a little bit better than people gave it credit for. I thought it was very entertaining, even if it wasn't maybe the height of cinema that Jurassic Park, uh, the original, was. Uh, It certainly had its problems, but I thought that it was a fun time at the movies. Uh, I thought that uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was a bizarre sequel to that movie that like had an interesting kind of like horror movie for 30 minutes inside of it, uh, but everything around that like sequence of set pieces didn't really work so well like suddenly we were like really invested in a clone girl and this is about dinosaurs so and we're in a they, like if you haven't seen fallen kingdom and i'm going into a little bit of detail because it kind of tees up what i have a problem with with jurassic dominion or jurassic world dominion is that when you watch jurassic world fallen kingdom the all of the advertisement was like oh no the island that all the jurassic park animals were are living on is the volcano it's gonna blow and they're all gonna die and you're like oh i guess the whole movie is them like rescuing the dinosaurs from the island before the volcano no they eat that entire story up in 10 minutes the first 10 minutes of the movie and then the rest of the time they're just like stuck in a mansion in like the pacific northwest for some reason (laughs) You're like, okay, that's odd. Uh, They do the exact same thing here, where the end of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is like, the dinosaurs are out in the real world. They're going to have to be like walking among us and we're going to have to contend with dinosaurs. And you're like, okay, cool. That's an interesting premise for a movie. Uh, They use up that premise in the first 10 minutes of this movie too. Basically, like it's literally like, do you know, on, on like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, they have these like now this news videos. Yeah. Well, they have like literally like a branded now this news video about the problem with dinosaurs living among us that lasts for about five or six minutes uh, where they're like, look, there's a giant bird on top of the CN Tower and like whatever. Um, and then they're just like, OK, never mind. That's not interesting enough to tell a whole story. So instead, we're going to tell two stories, one with the original Jurassic Park cast with like Laura Dern and Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum. And they are investigating a giant <laughs> locusts 
that are trying to destroy the world's uh, food supply because of an evil uh, genetic corporation uh, who also happened to contain most of the dinosaurs in a nature reserve. Um, and then the other one, the other story is about uh, Chris Pratt and and Bryce Dallas Howard trying to uh, get back the clone girl from the second movie who has been kidnapped by poachers and sold to this evil um, co- corporation. And then eventually those plot lines meet and they get caught in the sanctuary where there's a bunch of dinosaurs for a while, which is very similar to all of the other times that dinosaurs have been in a in an enclosure of some sort and people were at risk. Uh, and then the movie ends. You're just like, what? wait, what? So that's the movie. Uh, it's baffling, a lot of the choices that they make. Um, if you're really invested in Giant Locust, you've never had a more exciting movie than this. Uh, otherwise, you might be a little disappointed. Uh, and yeah, uh, if you were really excited to see the original Jurassic Park characters and the new Jurassic World characters meet up. Uh, don't see this movie because they share like a total of 15 minutes of screen time. Uh, <laughs> there is a character, uh, Dwanda Bice, is really, really good in the movie. She plays kind of like the new character in the mix. And she's I saw her for the first time and She's Gotta Have It, the Spike mm-hmm. Lee Netflix TV show from a couple years ago. She was originally actually supposed to be in Captain Marvel and the older Rambo character, uh, but got she had to leave that project because she's got a habit got renewed for a second season which kind of sucks now she's here and she's really fun here too she's kind of like a han solo kind of character and uh and that's fun um but it's not enough to really carry it like it's they like they try to there's sometimes there's like moments where there's like quips and everybody's trying to like make it feel like you're having a good time but it all feels so forced that it really doesn't work well um and uh yeah it just uh just doesn't work and it's also two and a half hours so um you're really in for a long for a long experience so i would definitely recommend avoiding this movie i watched it because i heard it was bad and i was like i'm not gonna see it and then i heard it was like inexplicably bad and i was like i have to see it and if you have that impulse i'm gonna tell you just stay home it's not worth it (laughs) honestly it it's making me want to like see the car crash i'm like okay I, that's what I felt too, and then I sat through it, and I was like, "Not worth it. I shouldn't have done it." Yeah. <laughs> so wow. it'll probably be on streaming at some point in the next 16 months, and if you subscribe to Peacock, maybe you could watch it for free. So you know. Yeah. Maybe. Okay, that's disappointing. Oh my gosh, I thought it was gonna be good. Hmm, it's really, nice. it really isn't. Yeah, I mean, they even brought you know bringing back the original cast. I'm sure was like a big part of it is like oh well now it's got to be good right like <laughs> so wait dewanda wise's character is not jeff goldblum's gymnastic daughter no like, no she's oh, not okay. at all no no uh-huh. connection that would have been cool because okay. she's in the yeah. last world yeah but no she's not she plays this like rogue uh former air force pilot who is like working with like black market dealers to ship goods across borders. But then uh, she sees that her like colleagues are kidnapping a child and she oh. like has a heart. So she decides to defect and join the other that side. That whole crisis of conscience pilot thing, like uh, a la Avatar. <laughs> yep. So, uh-huh. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's a, they didn't really dig too deep to find that trope, but uh, yeah. Nice. But she is fun, and like that, she really tries to sell some stuff. They really, she's in a lot of the movie with just Chris Pratt, and they're like, they're two very charismatic actors, and like, it's remarkable how 
bad the like one-liner are coming out of their mouths because they're both so charismatic actors you're like surely they could sell anything and they don't and it's bad so i don't know what to tell you (laughs) yeah he he's on a he's on a a a short list of like "Mm, shall i not watch any of your movies anymore too so i know i'm still i'm still debating that but it's what's weird is I just watched Infinity War for my rewatch podcast, like literally days before watching this. Yeah. And he's just so good in the role of, of Star-Lord, of Peter Quill. And there is so much chemistry and so much charisma. And he's like, he plays kind of low status in a really good way where like people are making fun of him. And he's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, and it works. And then in this movie, as the character of Owen Grady, which is like, I still can't believe that's a real name that they gave a character in a movie. <laughs> He just does nothing at all. Like, he's just very kind of like, I'm a serious action person and you should listen to me. And like in this movie, so in the original Jurassic World, he's he's a trainer of the Velociraptors, right? Yeah. And so he like can put out his hand and like quell them because he's trained them since birth to respond to his hand signals. In this movie, he does that to every dinosaur he sees, and it works every time, Even just, okay. like, random dinosaurs that he encounters in the wild. And then other people start doing it, too, where they just, like, put out their hand, and it calms the dinosaur down. It's like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Oh, my God. Yeah, but, I think I'm still in love with his character of Andy Dwyer, and I um, I might just need to let that go. It's it's sad to know that he is not Andy Dwyer from yeah. Parks and Rec. I agree. It's he was one of those guys that like everybody was rooting for because he was so likable on a show that everybody liked, and now it's like we know a little bit more about his personal life, and it just seems like you know maybe he's not so maybe he's not someone we want to necessarily root against, but we don't want to root for him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. He's not J.K. Rowling, but. I, I don't know if I would, like, invite him to a dinner party. That's an important <laughs> distinction, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have you been watching lately? Oh, so what have I been watching? Um, Not a whole lot, folks. Uh, <laughs> um, I have been very involved in a play recently, but uh, so I'm going back a little bit um, um, in my uh, in my watch history with this one. Um, but I yeah, did I really the, enjoy this. I had the pleasure to see Justin perform Shakespeare yeah. this past weekend, a play that he worked very hard yes. on for a number of months. He did a very great job, uh, and two gentlemen from Verona. So it was yep. very, I, you guys yeah, won't be able to see it because it's already done, but he did a great job. It was really fun, good production. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I haven't been seeing a lot recently. Hopefully, going to rectify that in the next few weeks. Um, but a film I did want to recommend, <laughs> unlike Jurassic World Dominion, um, you know, something in the same mode though is a film called Bergman Island. <laughs> ah, well, they're both movies about islands. So yes, yes. <laughs> um, and uh, this is a film from Mia Hansen Love, who's probably best known for. Uh, her previous two films, which were Eden, which is, I think, maybe one of the best movies ever made about EDM. Um, and then you've also got Things to Come, which was a kind of interesting um, sort of low-key drama starring Isabel Huppert, um, who's kind of like taking stock of her life after there's a couple of cataclysmic changes within it. Um, and so I had like I enjoyed both those movies. I feel like Hanson Love is one of those filmmakers that I always like. And maybe even if I don't necessarily like love what she's doing, I just like that she's here making movies. 
Um, her films are very low key, and this one is definitely in that same key. Uh, it's about two filmmakers who decide to take a vacation of sorts on uh, Faroe Island, which is in Sweden and is the famous haunt and home of Ing- of Ingmar Bergman. Um, of course, the uh, venerated Swedish filmmaker who made such things as The Seventh Seal, Scenes from a Marriage, um, Wild Strawberries, so many, so many classic, you know, very, very uh, uh, austere uh, movies, I guess you would say. Um, and what's interesting about the movie is that these two these two characters are playing filmmakers, but they're at very different points of their careers. Vicky Creeps plays um, sort of our main character. She's married to Tim Roth, who's kind of a more established um, filmmaker. He's showing one of his movies at on the island, and he's a huge Bergman fan. Whereas Vicky Creeps's feelings toward Bergman are, I I wouldn't I would say she has an admiration and respect for his work but also a bit of trepidation. Um, and one thing that the film gets into is she's a lot more, cons- like she's uh, a lot more critical of his personal life, uh, you know, where he fathered all these children and just kind of had other people raise them while he made movies. And it's not something that ever really gets talked about with him. Like people just tend to talk about his work. Um, and this kind of tension informs a lot of the movie and also her, her relationship with Tim Roth. Um, it's clear there are some fissures in that relationship, but it hasn't quite gotten to a point where there's like a lot of tension yet. Um, and the film is just this kind of like low key reverie. I would say, I think in my letterbox review, I described as like the lightest form of magical realism because there is some stuff that happens that seems to be outside the realm of reality. But not so far removed that it completely takes you out of the film. It still feels like the same movie. Um, there's also a film within a film uh, as Vicky Creeps is talking about the screenplay she's writing, which involves uh, uh, Mia Wasikowska as well as Anders Danielson Lie, who has been, I think, a little more um, prominent in, uh, in. He was, of course, in The Worst Person in the World recently. Um, I believe he was the killer in 22 July as well. Um, so he's a very, yeah. yeah, which is weird. Like that was, I think the first place I ever saw him. Anyway, he is not playing that, that character movie here for the podcast. Yes, we did. Um, and there's a kind of, that. that's kind of an interesting story where it's like, they're kind of trying to rekindle this romance. And I don't want to say too much, but let's just say there's something that happens later in the movie when we return to our sort of, frame story or main story that recontextualizes a lot of what we see in that uh, film within a film because you think it's reflecting what you've seen already and you realize later it's actually reflecting something we have yet to see um and it's just very cleverly done um even though it is low-key there are some moments in it that are quite devastating but they happen in a very quiet fashion um, and that's something that I think Hanson Love does really well. And I was thinking about it made me think of some other moments. There's some moments in, in Eden, for example, which is about this aspiring EDM artist who is a contemporary of like the Daft Punk guys, but maybe not quite as talented, maybe not quite didn't have like the right connections. Um, and the moment when he recognizes that maybe this isn't like his calling, what he's felt like has been his calling is maybe not going to happen for him. I think there's there's similar moments like that in here and in things to come. Um, she does that really well, and it always catches me unawares. So, yeah, I definitely want to recommend this movie. Um, you know, it, I don't know if it's going to be on everyone's wavelength, 
but I think it's worth giving it a shot, even if you think you might not like it. Um, I also would say, uh, and this is this is maybe more for Alex and myself than it is for anyone else, but um, there's a character who pops up in it who is a dead ringer for our missing co-host on this podcast. Really? And uh, I sent a, a photo because there was a, a sorry a screenshot of of this character uh, who ends up spending an afternoon with Vicky Creeps. And I, I sent this picture to him and I said, so was it you with Vicky Creeps sipping, <laughs> uh, sipping some cider on a Swedish beach? And uh, his reply to me was, a gentleman never tells. So huh. um, that's what he would say. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. he said, well, I at least hope that you're that you told your wife. But anyway. Um, <laughs> now, Justin, uh, I yeah. heard really good things about this movie, but because I have like a broken brain, I was like, well, I haven't seen any Bergman movies yet and I want to. So I should wait and watch this movie when I have seen those. And like that's going to happen years from now. So should I just watch this or would it be like watching Infinity War without having seen any of the other Marvel movies first? <laughs> I would say, honestly, I would say you could watch it without okay. having seen any Bergman. I have not seen a lot. I think I've only seen... I want to say I've seen the Seventh Seal and um, um, the Virgin Spring. I actually saw Persona recently, which I really loved. Um, oh, so I, that's one of his. Okay, I've oh seen yeah, that. yeah. I for, somehow I neglected to mention that's like maybe his most famous. Um, but yeah, this is. Uh, I I don't think you have to know it. I think it it helps. I want to say this is going to be a weird comparison, but it reminds me a little bit of Blazing Saddles, where you don't need to have seen westerns to think that movie's funny. But it it does help. Like it it I think you you would appreciate it only more if you did, um, because I think what Hanson Love is doing here with Bergman is she's paying tribute to him somewhat, but at the same time, like she's kind of also, um, maybe, maybe having like poking a little bit of fun at him at the same time, um, and I think they give you enough in the movie itself to kind of give you an idea of maybe the kind. If not, maybe the filmmaker that he was and certainly his perception um, in the popular culture. There are a lot of characters in the movie who talk about his films. And, you know, there's there's this Bergman safari, which is an actual thing um, (laughs) that where people can visit the different locations on the island. And he filmed these famous movie scenes. And, um, you know, you just see these these people have come here like, you know, like it's, you know, like them going to Mecca, basically, and talking about his films like they really know what they're talking about. And you're just like, wow, this is talk about film bros. Um, <laughs> so. A Bergman pilgrimage. Yes. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, yeah. So to answer your question, Alex, I don't think you need to have seen his movies uh, to appreciate this. But but it'll um, be a lesser experience if you haven't. I don't know. I mean. It might be, but it would still be a good experience to, to I think it would, the experience you have would still be worth it. A better experience than Jurassic World Dominion. If not um, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I think I didn't realize that I was I was interested in his movies like that. Um, but so bringing up, you said he uh, did scenes from a marriage. The the mm-hmm. um, the way that I identify with that is I wanted to watch. I mean, purely for probably not so decent reasons the hbo uh series that's based off of it with oscar isaac because i was like oh, okay i've heard some of these scenes are like definitely worth watching um but i guess i should probably watch the movie first um so that i can kind of set up where you know the the similarities and the differences from that um 
but I definitely I would look forward to watching this movie once I have a better grasp of like his his cinema. Yeah, and it's it's funny you mentioned scenes from a marriage because they talk about the house that they're staying in is actually the house where they filmed scenes from a marriage. Okay. Um, I don't believe it's the same bed, but it's definitely the same room. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely that hangs over a lot of um, the relationship between Vicky Creeps and Tim Roth. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> all right well okay so we've been watching a lot of different things uh Mm -hmm. but now we're gonna be transitioning into our main review talking about cha-cha real smooth of course like i mentioned the latest film from cooper rafe um and this is actually on apple tv plus i only realized this within the last few days for some reason, I thought it was on Amazon. I don't know why I thought that, um, because it was a streaming service that started with A, apparently. And um, But I did get a chance to see it, and uh, I'm curious how many people are going to, you know, are going to have access to this, honestly. <laughs> um, but I wanted to start with, I actually kind of wanted to start with you, Courtney, just to kind of get your, um, I wanted to hear about, like, your familiarity with Cooper Rafe, um, if you've seen his first movie, and also just what you thought of this one as well. Yeah. So absolutely zero. Uh, no familiarity. This would be my first movie of his. Um, but I was I was pleasantly surprised. I don't know. For some reason, reading um, what the movie, like the synopsis of what the movie was going to be about, I thought perhaps I would have to suffer through this movie. And as it was going through, I was like, oh, I'm actually like, I really enjoy this. And this is really quirky in a way that I don't find kind of cringy or overdone. For some reason, it made me think of movies by um, Diablo Cody, but like, again, quirky in a way that's not cringy (laughs) and that's enjoyable for me because sometimes, I mean, no shade, but sometimes, you know, those movies can be a little bit like people don't actually talk like this. And although <laughs> I find this funny, it's it's not very believable at all. So I ended up really, really enjoying it. And I definitely look forward to seeing more things by by him. Yeah, his first movie came out two years ago. It's called Shit House, which <laughs> okay. is quite the title. Uh, it, does, it makes you think that it's going to be one thing, and it really is more like this. It's like a quiet, okay. sensitive story about a, a sad college freshman who like doesn't who misses his mom and his sister and then like he like meets a girl and like they have a really kind of amazing night and then neither of them really know how to process it and so then things kind of get weird between them for a while and then the movie ends um and the name shit house is the party house that is like on campus okay. where they meet but is not indicative of the rest of the film at all yeah. <laughs> so don't let the title scare you off i, I mean i would definitely be into watching that i um there were so many cute things about this movie and like the conversations that people were having. And I think I wrote a lot just about like the zingers. And then I think I wrote a lot about, it was a, it was a, it was a lot of things about just like gaining people's trust and that a lot of very cute and almost soulful conversations between very different people uh, but with seeing the main character, but very different people, I'm like, wow, like, 
I wouldn't expect this type of conversation with that type of person. Um, and it's kind of like, okay, like people, people do tend to have like surprising things inside of them. What about you, Alex? I know that you, I think we were both fans of, of the first movie. Um, did this one live up to that one for you? Like, does it, does it make you excited about him as a filmmaker? So I do, it, it makes me continue to feel like I have a reason to be invested in his career as a filmmaker. Uh, the fact that he's only 25 and he's made two films that are like very well regarded uh, that he also wrote and starred in is a bit intimidating. Uh, <laughs> but what I'll, what I'll say is I think that this wasn't quite as good as I was hoping based off of the first film that, that I watched of his. Uh, it's certainly very nice. You know, it, it came out in Sundance this, this, uh, this January and it has that sort of like wholesome kind of family quirky comedy dramedy thing, like the little miss sunshine, um, or garden state. You know, I was, I thought a lot about garden state, not just because it's also about a, a person returning from college, a set in New Jersey. Uh, but yeah, it, it's wasn't quite what I was as strong as I was hoping for based on the cast. Cause I really liked the cast. Like I mean, everyone knows by now how much I love Dakota Johnson. She gave, like, several of the best performances of the last few years, in my opinion, including in The Lost Daughter, which was my favorite film from last year, um, which where she's playing a very similar role here as she was there, only with... And yet, she's, like, an entirely different person. And I think that's really interesting the, the to contrast those two performances to see how she was so, like, hard-edged in that movie versus how kind of soft and open she felt here uh it was very interesting to see that contrast um but yeah i i liked it a lot i just kind of it felt a lot like a movie that i've seen before which feels a little insulting but it, that it, it's a good version of a movie that i've seen before so that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world <laughs> um and i thought you know it's it's also a subject that kind of like hits close to home i definitely felt when i was just out of college, very much like a drift in the world, not knowing like, you know, like I went to school for four years and now I don't know how to turn that into a career or a life. And that that sort of anxiety there felt very relatable. And, um, you know, he kind of has sparks an interest in engaging with kids and taking care of kids with disabilities. And that kind of tracks with my own personal uh, career arc directly in certain ways. And so that was very interesting to see. So there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of room where I could have felt like, well, this is inauthentic or this isn't how it really is, where that's not how I felt at all. I felt like they actually did a really good job capturing something that a lot of movies have fallen short with. I think the depiction of autism in this film is really excellent and it's been praised as such. And I could see why uh, they cast an actress who is on the spectrum and the role that they gave her felt very authentic to a lot of autistic people that I know. Obviously, autism is a huge spectrum and not every single autistic person is different. So it, it makes depicting autism on screen very challenging. But I thought this was a really great depiction of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have more to say, but I'm curious, Justin, how this movie worked for you. Um, it worked very well. Um, I, you know, I this was one of those things where I was like, you know, not to we were talking about this a little bit off air, but, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm giving away too much, but uh, I kind of watched this pretty close to when we were to record, um, which was not what I had been planning, but just kind of happened because life happens sometimes. Um, and I was a little bit kind of like, 
oh, like, what am I getting? Like, do I, what's, like, what's this experience? Is this going to be too heavy? But then I was like, you know, I really enjoyed, like, the first movie. I really enjoyed his first movie. I'd have a hard time believing this would be, like, a slog to get through. And uh, luckily I was right. This is, uh, even though it deals with some, in some cases, like, kind of dark uh, subject matter, it still manages to be pretty light on its feet for the most part. Um, it's honestly, it was just really pleasant being with these characters, um, which is something, you know, that's, there was like, there was a point where I was like, oh, I've still got, I'm so, I'm glad I still have an hour left to, to just hang out with these people. Um, which is, you know, which I think is a real compliment to, to him, um, and to the actors. Um, I think where it maybe lost me a little bit is when it really tries to hit some, it really tries to create this rift uh, in the kind of like the third act of the movie, which is one of those things that, you know, you were talking Alex, about like a movie you feel like you've seen before. That was something where not only did I feel like I had seen it before, but it also felt kind of forced to me. Um, I appreciated what the film was trying to do and some of the ways in which um uh, I would say like a lot of these characters are in very like inexact like points in their life. Like they're kind of like, I want this, but I also want this. And like, how do I actually like, how do I live and, and make it so that things are like neat and tidy when it feels like they're actually really messy. Um, you know, and I got to say, I did really, I did relate to Cooper Rafe's situation um, especially that feeling of like, oh, I've graduated now. What the hell do I do? Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I appreciated the movie, uh, just for, it doesn't like, it's weird. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like a reinvention necessarily. It feels like it's a somewhat similar approach to his first movie, but I enjoy that approach. Um, it, there's a part of me that wants to see what else he can do. Like, I don't know if this film shows me that he's like capable of, of like completely reinventing himself. Not that all filmmakers need to, but, um, I don't know. I guess I would want to see like where he goes from here. He's, you know, certainly, certainly has the time I'm assuming. Um, and, and, um, you know, hopefully the financial backing to keep making movies. So I'm curious to see where he goes from here. Um, but yeah, it's the kind of thing that I, I really enjoy it right now. I'm curious to see how it holds up over the next few days. Um, but I'm glad I saw it. I don't think it's going to be one of my favorite movies of the year necessarily. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, this movie got huge buzz out of Sundance. Apple spent a lot of money buying it and, uh, there was this expectation that it could be kind of their next Coda. And Justin, you mentioned like, oh, well, I don't know if that many people are going to be watching this because it's on Apple TV+. Plus. But Coda certainly sparked uh, a huge kind of movement within film lovers across the globe and all the way to a Best Picture win uh, last year. And so and I think that this movie has a lot of the same DNA as that movie does, where it's like, you know, there's a special interest angle to it. There's kids and parents and there's growing up and coming of age. And like it checks all of the same boxes in a way where you could see why Apple would be really attracted to it. But I feel like it functions very differently. This is, feels a lot more low stakes, like real world sort of situation. Like one of the things about Coda that makes it special and, and also makes it feel a little contrived at times is that everything is kind of like pitched to 11 and there's a lot of like plot contrivances that happen along the way to kind of build up some drama. So that way you have this like amazing moment of catharsis at the end, right? This movie doesn't really have that. It's just about people and relationships and all of the stuff going on feels pretty 
small scale, small stakes in a good way. And I could see a filmmaker like Rafe, uh, Rafe deciding like the movie that he made the first time around was like quite an intimate character drama. I'm going to amp it up now. You know, I'm going to make a bigger, bolder story. And instead he kind of stays in this lane. And I think that's smart. And I think more filmmakers should do that instead of trying to scale up every time. I think that the difference is that he's working with a lot of really talented actors here, both actors that I know, like, you know, Leslie Mann, who I think gives an excellent performance oh, as his mom. Brad, Brad Garrett is really good as the stepdad. Um, I think, and of course, we talked about Dakota Johnson and also um, Raul uh, Castillo, who I really, really like. I kind of like fell in love with him when he was on Looking, an HBO show from a number of years ago. And he like pops up in a lot of different things in years since. And I think he is such a charismatic actor. And this was a very interesting role for him. He's kind of playing against type in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, but then I think he also does a really great job with the kids in this movie. Like all of the mm-hmm. kids feel really authentic and they are given kind of emotional moments and they sell them really well. The, like his brother, uh, played by Evan Asante, I think does a really great job in a lot of part, carrying a lot of the movie. Um, and uh, as I said, Vanessa Burkhart is the kind of the main actress of the film, Dakota Johnson's daughter. And I think she does a really great job as well. Um, The one thing that I would say is that as good of a director of actors as he is, I feel like he doesn't always direct himself well as an actor. I feel like his, I think that his performance is the thing that has kept me from really loving this movie, because I think that it is sometimes very strong and then other times feels like you needed another take you know it felt like he needed somebody to tell him like okay go a little bit smaller here like don't bug your eyes out so much or you know like (laughs) there's a certain casualness to some scenes and then a real intensity to others and there's like a loose it just it felt like a an like a inconsistent performance and I think there's something really strong and aspects of that and I think that he could become a really talented actor I think that he needs maybe a collaborator to get that out of him because I don't know if his instincts for himself are always as strong as his instincts for his other actors that he's working with. How did his performance as the lead of this movie work for you guys? Um, I, you know, I was really, I was really charmed by him. Um, When he first came on screen, I was like, oh my God, is that like a a young David Tennant? Like it was just kind of startling. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Um, And then just kind of like, his lanky kind of gangliness, I think lent to him being like, you know, this young guy that just graduated from college. He doesn't, you know, really know much about the world or what he's going to do. Um, and perhaps that's just me kind of being a very casual, like uh, movie watcher. So I didn't really pick up on some of the nuances of, his portrayal um, of Andrew, where I was just like, okay, I I could see anything that might be inconsistent is just really this kid's personality, and that's just like how how he is. Like he 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 seemed from the very beginning with with his character um, as a young boy, just very awkward and intense, and uh, and then of course as it carried out through the film, where it's like this is great foreshadowing. Uh, he just he gets attached far too quickly with a certain I wouldn't even say like the the personalities are the same as far as the the women but just like clearly almost unattainable and then like that's your type so Uh um and one of those things is like it looks like you're always looking to break your own heart so I it seemed consistent to me and and perhaps you know his actual choice 
Justin, what do you think? Am I being too hard on him? <laughs> you know, um, again, it might be a case where I I think he's like I think he's like I think he does some things really well. Um, I can't say like I don't know if I'm seeing again just based on two movies is I'm seeing like a lot of range. Like I'm seeing a character that's somewhat similar to the one he played in Shit House. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I have to say the thing I do like about him is I do like that some of the more emotional moments are the ones that he underplays. Um, the scene where it's him and, um, and Dakota Johnson uh, in this moment where it seems like they are saying that they're going to go their separate ways. And then he has that moment of like, I feel like, you know, I don't know if you're, let's see, I wrote this line down. Let's see if I get it right. Um, can't tell if you're holding back to be close or, or if you're holding back, uh, to be distant does that ring a bell <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> that's what i wrote down anyway yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um I because that was... you can just like his like and, and that's a case where i think even like his his eyes are starting to fill with tears but he hasn't like broken down yet um i thought that was really effective um you know and i also i don't know i i like that he had this like he's somewhat like he's he can be very self-deprecating and yet at the same time like he just he does seem to have this real emotional intelligence um he has this desire to make people like feel good about themselves like he's a real cheerleader and i feel like that's that can be a rare quality in people (laughs) maybe i'm just speaking from personal experience um but like that is something that you know, I, I think it's it's easy to see why people are drawn to him. And yet I like that that also exists for like he he can be really confident at the same time, like really not know what he's doing. Like there's a lot of times where he'll just kind of like he'll almost say something almost like as a dare to himself. Mm-hmm. And he may or may not, you know, succeed in that particular venture. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it's I think it works for this character um i don't know if it's like again it's it's one of those things where i'm like well i don't know if it's gonna be like it's not like one of the major performances that i've seen this year but yeah. it's certainly it certainly seems to work for me it worked in the right moments here yeah i think some I, like i said i think some moments work better than others like sometimes it feels kind of like he's he's giving too broad of a performance for the scene and maybe you could say like that's just the character is kind of externally get being broad because he's uh, like awkward and doesn't know how to handle things but i just some of the things with like his mom where he like walks like towards the end of the movie where he like walks in is like i like that that whole kind of like emotional moment where he's trying to say that like his like he walked past his house and he wants her to know that he looks thinks that she's a great mom and it's just like some combination of the monologue and the way that he delivered it just didn't totally work for me in the way that like when you cut to leslie mann and she's so affected by it like it immediately yeah. works again and she does not like she gets no lines and i think emotionally carries that scene way more than he does and but then like you said there's other moments like the scene with him that you described with dakota johnson i think the scene where they're eating the ice pops together in the kitchen is also very sweet and yeah. intimate and i think all of his scenes with the kids all of the kids i think he works really well with so i, don't, I definitely don't think that it's like a problem across the whole movie there's just like a level of, of like i that inconsistency for me i do want to say i you brought up courtney like the little kid who plays him at the age of 12 like that actor's name is uh, javian uh, mercado and it's like remarkable how much he looks like 
what Cooper Rafe would look like when he was 12. Like, as soon as he was on screen, I was like, oh, this is him as a little kid. Like, because I knew what he looked like already. It's like yeah. his face, his eyes, his, like, the whole, like, it just exactly that same person. I was like, wow, that's incredible kid casting. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I will look, I'm looking forward to seeing his, uh, the first movie, which I'm guessing, I'm guessing was also his act, acting debut. Yeah. Um, and then comparing it to to this one to Cha Cha Real Smooth, I think he probably, I guess, as he goes, will re- will refine it if he's going to continue casting himself as the main character. <laughs> um, I think I understand where you're coming from, Alex, with with um, your your small criticism, I guess, of his uh, of his performance because without having known him as an actor, I kind of had the same criticism for him and Dakota Johnson a little bit where I was like, this is really good. I like their acting. Um, And one of the notes that I put, it was like, I really like what she's doing here, but I also kind of feel like she's playing herself a little bit. I mean, of course, Son's like having a daughter and things like that, but I was just like, it feels like he's like, he's just playing himself, um, which is why it comes so naturally to him. And it feels, it doesn't feel as forced, but then I was just like, Okay, so, I mean, you just wrote a movie for yourself to be yourself. Uh, and then you were like, I, w- I know that I want Dakota Johnson to be Domino. And so I'll just write her as as herself. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a very, there's a softness to her here that I think is the one thing that I haven't really seen her do before. Like, she always feels like this very sort of like, very like in command Mm-hmm. character even if she's like in command in a way where she's over her head or yeah. she's in command and like a and and it's like a delusional almost you know like when you think about like Suspiria where she's kind of like this she's bo- somehow both completely in command of her element and totally overwhelmed by it uh here there's just like a really kind of soft vulnerability to her that I just I feel like I haven't seen before and I've seen a lot of her movies so it was interesting to see her bring that to the role but yeah, I think that like if you watch interviews with her, I think that there's a lot more of her here than there is in some I of her other roles. Specifically thinking of her um her interview or her tour of her home with um Architectural Digest. And I was like, this feels this feels like that. Yeah, and I think that that kind of brings a level of intimacy to the performance mm-hmm. because you it feels like you're kind of tapping into a version of who she might have been versus just a completely different character that she's throwing herself into. And yeah, she's one of those actresses that I think when I, I for, maybe for a lot of us, I don't know, but I think we were first aware of her because she was in the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. Um, and which, to be fair, I never actually saw. So I, but because of that, I, it was almost like, you know, I was almost thinking about her the same way that I used to think of like Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart of like, oh, they're in these types of movies. So that means yeah. they're not good even though I really hadn't seen those movies. So why was I making that judgment? Um, But I think as I did start to see Dakota Johnson and other things, I was being like, oh, like to me, she's one of those, she's one of those actors who's like always teetering between like, it's almost like there are times where I wonder if she's like doing as like seeing how much she can get away with doing as little as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But she's like always teetering on that line. And yet like for the, like for me, for the most part, like always managing to like, get it like do it well um you know and sometimes less is more and it really works um you know there's still like there's still an intensity i think to some of her performances i i know like i wouldn't say maybe they have the same kind of vulnerability that you see here but in Mm -hmm. films like these are very different movies but um 
I don't know if either of you have seen either Black Mass or um, the Peanut Butter Falcon. <laughs> yeah, those are two I, ones that I haven't I, seen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, very different movies. I, I people love the Peanut Butter Falcon. I, like it's apparently like a very sweet sort of like family movie about like a like a you know Shia LaBeouf and like a boy yeah. who has Down syndrome and they're like this kind of like they want to build a like a airplane or something, right? Isn't that the whole deal? Um, so the premise is they want to take this kid to meet his favorite professional wrestler. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So it's it's like a very like a heartwarming sort of yeah. movie. And I did but watch the that sort movie. of movie that this movie I thought might be, and I think this mm-hmm. movie has a lot more authenticity to it and yeah. intimacy I, than I, that I, movie I does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My the reason I bring up those movies is because in both of those movies she is playing like more of a. Um, I would say like less intense kind of character. Um, she's playing someone who's very, in both cases, is very nurturing. Um, and I'm kind of so seeing this kind of made me think of those films, but also see this other dimension to her that I felt like I hadn't quite seen before. And I don't think it's again, it doesn't it doesn't feel like she's playing a character like it like like a capital C character. I don't know if she's that kind of of actor to be honest. Um, you know, I, I guess I, you know, and I don't, and I think that's okay. Um, but I think she is, she can be very natural. And I think that she does that really well and does it in such a way where it almost appears like she isn't acting, which I think is a real talent. Um, so yeah, I've kind of come around on her because I didn't quite know how I felt about her. Now I feel like, oh, I can see, I see what she can do. And and here I know that she did. She she is an executive producer on this, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Um, and I know that she has talked about how she was able to try more stuff with this because she had that, you know, that leader, you know, that that position within the production of this. Um, and you know, I I I wonder. There's a part of me that wonders what this movie would look like if we just like if if she were the main character and Cooper Rafe was like a supporting character. What would that look like? Um, so I think it's a credit to her that I, you know, maybe started thinking about that. Um, although hopefully that's not a, a knock on Cooper Rafe, but maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean though. I, I kept thinking about, and this might, whatever, but I kept thinking about Don John, that Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie from like a decade ago where he's oh, like, yes. where he's yeah. like this, like, you know, macho Jersey Shore guy who's addicted to pornography and, mm-hmm. uh, and in that movie, there's like this whole kind of subplot where he meets Julianne Moore, who is this cool older woman who he like smokes weed with and like learns how to make love instead of just have sex. And it's like, and, it's, and it should be really like cliched and terrible. But Julianne Moore gives such a great performance as this woman. And you're like, who is this woman? I want to know everything about her. And, and like it completely, I think, saves the whole movie. Uh, and it's definitely the best part of that movie, which has a lot going on. And I kept thinking about like how like that arc and in this movie where it's similarly like this guy who's kind of like doesn't know how to be a person yet. And he meets this woman who is like in an adult situation in her life and is kind of like having an emotional moment in an entirely different way. That's several levels more complicated than he's even really able to process because he's only 22. And uh and I thought that um, 
similarly, I do think that that character is more interesting than the lead character. But I guess, you know, part of the reason is that, like, it's easy to be more interesting when you're the supporting character and you're not getting too much about that person. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, did this movie make you guys think of any Joseph Gordon-Levitt movies from the 2010s? <laughs> um, I, that movie has not even been on my radar. So it really <laughs> took me back. And thinking about it, I remember how that, like, I guess at the time when I watched it, I was just like... It really turned me off, and I was like, I don't, yeah. I don't understand what this performance is. This is very weird. Like, and now that you've said it, I'm starting to remember things, and I'm like, oh yeah. Scarlett Johansson is also really good in that movie. It's a, it's a terrible. It's not a very good movie, but it, but Scarlett Johansson is very good, and and Julianne Moore is like Oscar worthy in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, there's not really anything that I can think of that I can compare this movie to, honestly, than. Um, just kind of like the the genre that it reminds me of, but like a a better version of that. These are like people who like everybody seems so smart and witty and like at least the people who are the the main the main cast and then like the main supporting people that kind of you know revolve around them have this emo- emotional depth that you're just like do do normal people really have this and like have these open conversations and just speak pretty much plainly to each other like not really but I I like this and it doesn't seem very contrived um so I I think of that genre but just like I guess the 2020s version of it like we've kind of grown up and and refined some things so yeah yeah it's certainly a better movie than say like Garden State which is a movie that I absolutely loved when I was 15, like everyone else when they were 15. I, know, but, I was about uh, to say they were obsessed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's a great movie if you've never seen an indie movie before. And then like if you've seen any other movie, you're like, oh, okay, he's not the first one to do any of this. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of like sad guy from college goes back to New Jersey, this definitely has a beat. So. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it didn't necessarily make me think of any Joseph Gordon-Levitt movies. Um but it did make me think a little bit of uh, Joe Swanberg's movies. If sure. either of you have seen any of those, like I would say it's similar. Like you have characters who are very dissatisfied in their lives, who are trying to like are like on the cusp of maybe finding this alternative, and yet, you know, I think they they really just like talking about it, maybe more than actually doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, so it definitely made me think of that. I will say it's maybe a little more. Some of the there's a little more drama here than you might see in a Swanberg movie, but I think it's I have to believe it was at least partial, you know, at least somewhat of an influence. I before I'm sure we're kind of wrapping up now, but before we get to like closing thoughts, I'm also curious what you, especially Courtney, thought of the character of Macy, who's played by Odea Rush, who is an actress that I really loved in Lady Bird, and she hasn't really done a ton since Lady Bird, but she plays basically the same character, only <laughs> now she graduated from high school. Um, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm, and I just, I loved her in that movie, and um, and I found her to be a very interesting presence here. I'm curious what you thought of that character and how she was used. Um, I ended up, I ended up liking her, um, because she seemed... I mean, just from the beginning, just meeting her in the parking lot of her sister's, uh, I guess all around they're called bar mitzvahs or for girls when it's called bat mitzvahs. Yeah, when it's okay. a, yeah, when it's for a girl, it's bat mitzvah. So so meeting in, in the parking lot and talking about that and she came off pretty, pretty vapid <laughs> um, <laughs> and just um, 
I could I could see she just seemed like the pretty kind of mean girl, but she was also just like, okay, she's kind of kind of mean, but not really. She she knows a lot of people, she gets along, she she seemed like like she'll make a couple clips at your expense, but not technically like bullying. Um and, and to the point like her and and Andrew seem to be cool with each other. Um, and I didn't really think much of her character after that, but then, um, and I put in my notes, I was so disappointed when he hit her up to, to have sex. (laughs) And I was just like, Andrew, you're talking about being obsessed with your girlfriend, Maya and going to Spain. And then also after having sex with her, like creeping on her Instagram and being mad that she's with another boy. And I remember putting like, oh, well, I guess they're both cheating. So fine. (laughs) Um, but the conversation that they had after they had sex um, and just how both of them were so honest with each other. Um, and it's a little thing, but I liked when he was like, oh, do you want to have sex again? She was like, very much not. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I really liked that, too, because I was like, I, 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 I would love to see more girls or women in film and TV shows say things like that. It seems like a small thing, but it's also saying like, girl, it's OK to say no. Like, you don't have to feel obligated to have sex with a boy especially if you're just like yeah no that was terrible but like they could laugh about it and I liked his response to it too which may come from him just kind of being very self-deprecating as well and just kind of like haha yeah whatever but that whole conversation on the bed and just talking about their jobs and her relating that like yeah you work at meat sticks which is a shitty weird silly job but my job is also a silly job like all jobs are basically silly jobs like I thought that was it was kind of sweet because it was she seems like the person that would judge you for something like that. And she was just like, whatever, like it doesn't really mean like none of these jobs really mean anything. Um, so I ended up I ended up liking her. And then I also liked at the end where you see them. Uh, I, I guess I'm jumping too far ahead. But when you see them living their lives and, you know, there's a there's a wedding and then there's a birthday celebration. And then you kind of see when they're in the club and. I think we get a glimpse of her looking at Andrew and I was like, Oh, are you interested now? <laughs> um, I, I ended up really liking her. Yeah. I'm happy to hear you say that. Cause I, I would have basically said everything that you just said. I think she brings such like an authenticity to her performances. It makes me sad that she doesn't act more because she just is so great in the roles that I've seen her in. And I, and I agree. I feel like it's capturing this sort of idea of the like post-college like reset of like who you are as a person right you've kind of like gone through all of the stages of development that has been like preset for you and now you're just like thrown off into the deep end and you're like okay I know who I was six months ago and now I have no idea who I am anymore and it gives you if you're a thoughtful person a chance to kind of reflect on where you were and where you are now and maybe reevaluate like your perspective and I thought that conversation of them on the bed was like very it could have been very cheesy and contrived and tropey of like you were the hot girl and I you never looked at me and and it didn't feel like that at all it felt really authentic to that experience of that particular moment that they're in in their lives and and yeah I really I really enjoyed that two of them together yeah I think throughout the the vulnerability of the conversations that people are having and then that particular conversation because again she was like he, he said you know I found you really attractive but like he wasn't really interested but he found her attractive and 
she just volunteered that she was like, yeah, I didn't find you attractive, uh, which I thought was funny because he was like, I, I didn't ask, but thanks. And then she goes on to say, well, do you think I peaked? And I was like, I mean, that's that's a good I feel like that's good self-awareness to know that perhaps I may have been top dog in, in high school and, and maybe into college. But like now being out in the real world and looking at things like. That's not my position anymore. And I'm also kind of worried about that. And since we're already have done this vulnerable act, I might as well ask this guy who is insanely disarmingly honest. Do you think (laughs) I peaked? Because I feel like I would get a real answer from him. Yeah. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I was just well, I was going to say I I thought it was interesting that she says, you know, I I didn't find you attractive then, but I found you attractive when you were like, you know, leading basically (laughs) leading the charge on the in the bar mitzvah. And I I don't know. I just think that's I think that's realistic. Like, you know, and then it's like after that sort of, you know, then in the afterglow, it's kind of like, you know, oh, it's kind of back to now I see you kind of who you you were, who I saw you as before. Um, Yeah, uh, I guess. And I thought they were going to do more with that character, maybe like I was surprised that was kind of like we like she shows up later, but I don't even think she has a single line. Um, if You know, maybe like one or two, but not anything yeah. major. Um, you know, I, I, again, maybe it's a credit to the movie that like there are all these characters that maybe we would like to follow. Maybe we'd like to follow them more than our main character. Um, I mean, credit to the film for creating them and for getting us invested in them. Um, yeah. But yeah, but doesn't mean you also aren't disappointed when we don't, yeah. you know, follow those those breadcrumbs. Yeah. Okay, guys, I think you're talking me into liking it a little bit more than I did <laughs> when we started this conversation. Amazing. Good. Exactly what I came on here for. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a. There was one question I had that I wanted to ask you guys about. Um, okay, so this could just be me living in the time that we live in. Um, but Andrew, after working at Meat Sticks, and I guess I don't know what his pay is for, um, you know, being this party starter, but maybe that, maybe that's been significant, perhaps. But then he's also working a nonprofit. Somehow he has enough money to move out. Like, is he, we don't quite learn where he's moving to, but yeah, I guess, is he moving in with roommates? Cause maybe that I could buy, but having I'm your guessing. own place, I'm guessing there's roommates that we didn't hear about. I yeah. don't, I mean, I don't know where, I mean, I live in New Jersey. I don't know where in New Jersey he would be just moving out after working for a nonprofit for like a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, you know, those hype that, you know, those party people, there's good money in that. And cause it's also is. like people yeah. tip a lot of times, like you get, you get like paid out for your service and then the family will give you like a nice generous tip if you do a good job afterwards. And so you yeah. could, you could make serious coin if you're good it seemed like he got fired from like several of the jobs midway through so i don't know how successful (laughs) his his emerging industry was but uh yeah i feel like i i i didn't question it too much especially because he was living at home so it's like he's probably not paying for he's paying for absolutely nothing so i could see how it could be easy um to save that money up i i think back fondly of when i was living at home and my first job out of college and I had saved up so much money, and then I chose to follow behind a boy who I I just happened to marry, and 
<laughs> paying for moving costs and and the deposit for the apartment ate that right on up. So I was like, oh my god, I thought I, I had a lot Justin of money. Knows so. something about that story as well. Yeah, <laughs> from his I life. Know a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just funny to me, maybe because like I have several fr- like I know several people who are my age and are still living at home and like work full time. And I'm kind of like, oh, and he just has enough money to like move out. Okay, all right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, perhaps this is a nonprofit where they're just doing so well. They're like, all right, here you go. You're, you're signing also, bonus, and yeah. Pretty remarkable that he got that job based off of that interview. That was maybe the worst interview <laughs> yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> he, it's those interactions like that where he does stuff where he's like, oh yeah, like for example, when he first meets Domino and um and Lola. And they're talking, and he's like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I think that I'm on the spectrum. And she's like, okay. And he's like, no, I don't know why I said that. And then my father has ALS. That's not true. I don't know why I said that. I'm like, these, like, intrusive thoughts that you just vocalize, you got you to gotta rein that in, like. Yeah. The, the first one is, like, he's at least trying to, like, empathize with her in a way that's, like, clearly, like, not a good idea, but, like. You could almost see it as sweet in a way if you're not insulted. In the second one, it was just like, what are you doing, guy? <laughs> like, yeah. so, no, no, that's not going to, nobody's going to think that's a good idea. Especially trying to recover from the fact that the guy already didn't appreciate your jokes. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. It's definitely within character. That's, that's for sure. Also, it's not entirely clear how much time passes in this movie. It could be like two weeks or it could be like three months, you know? And that would certainly be a question in terms of how much money he could save. (laughs) Oh, actually I have a question uh, because I was thinking about it and then it left my head um, when we were talking about, um, when we were talking about what was her name? Macy. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you feel about Raul Castillo's character, Joseph? Because where I started with him and where I ended with him, it was like totally, totally different. I was committed to to not liking him. And then, you know, after after that that uh, unfortunate scene um, where where Andrew just kind of laid his heart out, um, I was like, oh, you're actually kind of a stand up guy. Damn it. <laughs> I like <Yeah>. you now. <laughs> I think that's a credit to the actor for being able to sell that shift because the movie is really like giving you just enough to know what this guy's deal is to try to make you not like him. So that way you can root for the couple to get together until they decide that they no longer want you to feel that way. And then suddenly he's revealed to be like a completely different person basically. And I think that Raul Castile really plays that in a way that almost makes it make sense. You know, you're like, I guess he just really like, I get like, once you see him in that final scene where he talks to him at the car and he's so sincere, you're yeah. like, okay, well, I can retroactively see how it would make sense that, like, what we were seeing wasn't really the whole picture of those moments. And, like, he actually was being kind of reasonable given the circumstances. But I in mean, the moment, you're, like, so ready to be like, oh, this guy's a dick. We need to get rid of him, right? And so it's like that movie is really kind of playing fast and loose with that sort of thing. But I think he really lands it emotionally in a way that... That's why you cast him in this role, I think, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I got to say, I didn't know until after I looked at the cast list that that was Raul Castillo, because I loved him in a movie called We the Animals from a few years ago. 
and didn't recognize him at all here. <laughs> yeah, I've heard he's so, really good in that. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I've heard he's and I was like, better. is it just the lack of facial hair? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I why think I it is. I think he looks. <laughs> he, I think he genuinely looks like a different person without facial hair. <laughs> yeah, right. He does. Like, I'm like, because my impression was that this character was was like not like super young necessarily, but like you know. I, I don't know. It just seems like a different, like I was like, Oh, this, this must be like some up and coming guy. And I it wasn't until I looked at the cast list where I recognized, Oh no, this is a guy who's been like in the industry for a long time. Um, but I also like, there's a little bit, you know, we haven't talked a lot about like the filmmaking here, which, you know, isn't, it's almost like designed not to really get you to notice it, I think. Um, but there is a really nice, I, 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 I seem to be noticing this, in movies recently with just like the use of focus. Um, I love the moment of, of um, Joseph coming up to the car window because it does make it seem like something bad's going to happen. And you're kind of like, Oh, well he's doing it because he's approaching it so deliberately. That means something bad's going to happen. Like he couldn't possibly be doing that in a calm manner. He's doing it like a focused, I'm a, you know, I'm about to do something really bad sort of, sort of thing. And I just really like the way that it it creates that tension just with that little bit of like with a, us just seeing Andrew in focus and then everything else kind of out of focus until that window opens. Um, you know, it's just a little thing, but but, you know, it's also part of that. Maybe it, it helps create that expectation that you think something bad is going to happen. And then once you once he opens the window and actually there is a little bit of. I think there's a little bit of release when we do hear his voice because it does sound very calm and reasoned um, and doesn't have, you know, doesn't seem to be be betraying any sort of, uh, you know, impulsive uh, anger necessarily. But yeah, just there's some, there's some nice little touches like that. I also like that we don't quite know when Andrew leaves the house. Like I wasn't quite sure that, um, that Joseph had seen him yet. Um, which I thought was interesting, and it wasn't until we see something again, some vaguely out of focus figure sort of starting to approach the car, I realize, oh no, he saw him. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think, and I think, you know, to your point, Alex, it uh, they did do a good job of that interaction, kind of putting into perspective all of the other interactions, because at first it seemed his directness seemed really aggressive almost for like no reason but then you think back and you're like there's this i mean although he's a young man this young man that's just been in your parents house with your fiance and of course i i feel like you know her her the challenges that she has as far as her personality and then we you know have that point where they they come back from that date and he's like oh it was a long car ride um, and then kind of alluding to, I guess, whatever conversation they had about Andrew and Dakota um, Domino not wanted like, hey, like, calm down, let's not have this conversation. Um, and I, I, I like how it made you feel like, wow, this guy's really mean and kind of direct. But also to, to Andrew's point where he was saying you're, you're being so vague about not saying, you know, if she's sick or what's wrong with Domino, why she's not at this current bar mitzvah. And then seeing how it's like almost like this is the difference between a boy who, although emotionally to a certain point intelligent, who is direct in a way and a man who is direct and is like, these things that that I'm feeling and the the things that we're deciding to do, it's not unreasonable, right? 
because yeah. he may not know that they kissed twice, um, you know, or or the kind of conversations that they had that were a little bit maybe too intimate for that type of relationship. But I'm sure he can feel it. And based off of that, and we know it is highly it's it's appropriate for him to be like, yeah, we're we're not going to need you to babysit anymore. Um, yeah. yeah. So put yeah, a lot of that in perspective. Yeah. And like he's in a way like remarkably calm and patient given the circumstances if you really think about it like I think the camera like Justin was saying does a really good job of of lending itself to Andrew's point of view oftentimes without doing it in a very showy way where it just like there's moments where like the one that you're talking about Justin or there's like another time when we see him kind of like following Dakota Johnson up the stairs it feels very much like in his perspective but I think it also like our understanding of the Raul Castile character is very much based on his perspective of it in each moment and so we're only getting a small picture of it and like when you look at it in retrospect it feels a lot like he loves his his fiance and knows that she's struggling and is trying to make this situation work the best that he can uh, in a way that has like a surprising amount of empathy given what's going on. It would be very easy to have somebody be very reactive in a situation like that. And the fact that he isn't so consistently, it makes it makes the ending of the movie make sense in terms of like he is actually a good fit for her because he understands her in a way that he's not like penalizing her for cheating on him, basically, which a lot of people would in that situation. And because he understands her and seems to understand what she's going through and has compassion for her. And that's, you know, suddenly he goes from this kind of like menacing figure making direct kind of like side accusations or something to like actually like a remarkably patient person who seems like a good guy ultimately and makes and it makes it make sense that she chooses to stay with him instead of instead of like uh, Andrew. And I like you said, it, it really speaks to the maturity of the character's and in their respective situations, which that whole opening prologue is all about, right? It's like, you're a sweet kid, but I'm, I'm old, right? (laughs) So basically what he's, what the girl says, and that's kind of the whole point. It's like, sure, it's not like illegal for a 22 year old to date like a 34 year old with a 12 year old kid, but there's going to be significant challenges for most people. If you're in completely different stages of your lives and you try to make a romance work. And I think this movie has surprisingly interesting nuanced things to say about that. I also, Alex, did you recognize who that actress was? The Which the one? first party. The, oh, no, no. Who was she? That's um, Kelly O'Sullivan from St. Francis. Oh, okay, cool. Are yeah, you familiar that was... with that, Courtney? No, not at all. You're in the market for another, like, post-college coming-of-age movie about a person <laughs> okay. trying to figure out their life. You yep. can watch that. Okay. <laughs> She's, that like, I... this woman who, like, kind of, like, is trying to figure her stuff out and ends up becoming, like, a nanny for this uh, precocious little kid and uh, this very nice lesbian couple who have a lot going on in their own lives. <laughs> okay. I'd be interested in that. I mean, clearly I'd like this genre and I've stayed away from it where I, I really was, I really was, um, I said it in one of my notes, I said, I loved it. I was dubious at first. Um, <laughs> and I think like one of my last notes before that was that they're all so precious. I loved everyone except for that little bully that was at all the bar mitzvahs. And then I'm very happy that he got punched. So <laughs> I, I'll yeah. stay, I'll die on that hill. 
kids sometimes no i'm just uh, i won't even say that that'll be taken out of context never mind (laughs) (laughs) like 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 andrew said it's he shouldn't have punched him he didn't personally punch him he wouldn't attack a child but the rest of his that boy's class will sleep just fine knowing that Mm -hmm. he got punched at the party (laughs) i agree with that statement andrew for president (laughs) So on that note, apparently we condone violence on this podcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, um, Listen, yeah. Courtney's used to seeing teenagers eating each other in uh, in Korean dramas. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like that, that the devil entendre that that is available for that. But no, yeah, I watch a lot of zombie flicks uh, and a lot of things with lots of gratuitous violence. So. Um, it would be disingenuous for me to say that I I don't enjoy or condone it, but uh, this is this is a little bit different. This is more wholesome, more wholesome violence. A bully yes. getting his comeuppance. Exactly. Although wilds that in that scene, uh, Leslie Mann gets punched in the face by an adult man by accident. That was like a level yeah. of kind of craziness that I wasn't expecting from this movie. It's it like was, you think that it's going to be kind of like it, it bubbles to like this madcap sort of like sitcom moment. But mm-hmm. then she like legit actually gets punched in the face and has a black eye for the rest of the movie, which was like, wow. OK, I wanted yeah. to see that guy's wife because he he socked her real good. He socked his own wife really well. I was like, oh, my God, knocked her lights out. Yeah, um, that was I got to say just the aftermath of that more disturbing than I expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. I did I've like how that many... humanized the stepfather too, because it was like, oh. oh, that's why, that's why she liked him, because he he don't stand any sort of disrespect for his wife. So like that was, yeah. I was like, okay, you you're kind of you kind of suck, uh, especially since you have like a pharmaceutical company. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I feel like the kids were kind of mean to him. Like Brett Garrett didn't seem that bad. Very, <laughs> very thing, mean. He didn't seem like a nice guy. Like he didn't seem like a very exciting guy. I should say. He seemed perfectly fine. I don't. I feel like they were being too harsh. Or like, I know that he's a dick, but his mom likes him. I was like, is he a dick? He just doesn't like people to curse at the dinner table. That's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think the film tries to tries to like show that maybe there's a love like they're a little bit right, but a little bit wrong at the same time. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I only like I recently rewatched Boyhood, as you guys know, if you've listened to our Boyhood episode, and that's a stepdad who's a real dick. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, um, now that we've gone into starting to talk about stepdads, um, let's maybe wrap this up before we get too deep into the weeds there. Um, so uh, let's talk about where we can find everybody. So let's start with our guest, Courtney. Where's the best place to find your work online? Um, you know, honestly, I guess right now I've I've been posting pretty regular regularly on Twitter. Um, so I am on there as Neo Queen Celine, uh, which is an homage to Sailor Moon, uh, and my middle name. Um. I'm on Instagram with the same handle, but really don't post as much. Uh, Really, most of my interactions are with Marshall, uh, who is the uh, Okami Council on pretty much everything. He has consolidated everything. So you can see us going back and forth. And then, of course, um, with the pop break with Blurred Watchers um, and then uh, Blurred Life with my wife, which is our little independent uh, project that we have going on. 
Um, oh, and also we will be at BlurredCon. So that's going to be nice. fun, which is in uh, July. So uh, really excited for that. And I, I think we will be posting a lot of good content from there. So I saw online that you were teasing an announcement. I was really hoping that's yeah. what it was. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Where's that, where's that going to be? Uh, I believe it's in Mar Fairfax, Virginia. Crystal City, Virginia. Yeah, which is actually very close to where I grew up. So I'll be seeing some friends and family. Um, Oh, nice. Fun. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Um, For myself, you can find my work at thecinemaverick.com. I'm also on Letterboxd at thecinemaverick. Uh, I also, the podcast I mentioned before, Podwork Angels, The Rush Hour, dedicated to the rock band Rush. Um, so for all you rush heads to go ahead and check that out, that's part of the breakcast feed on thepopbreak.com. And as for Noah, you can find his stuff at francenoir.blogspot.com. That's his website. Um, and he is also on Podwork Angels with me as well. Uh, and, uh, Alex. Okay, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Media Thinkings and on Letterboxd at Media Thinkings. Uh, you can follow this show at Cinema Joe's on Twitter um, and subscribe to it on all major podcast platforms. In addition to this show, uh, you can follow uh, my work on thepotbreak.com. I'm the podcast editor over there, so my hand is in all of those pots. <laughs> if you click on the pot break, if you go to thepotbreak.com and click on the podcast tab, you'll see all the stuff that we're working on. Of course, I am the unseen, unheard, but often spoken of producer on. Uh, blurred watchers uh it's a role that i love to fill um that's on pop break tv like we said um i also have a podcast on there called tv break uh this month uh we're going to be reviewing uh the end of obi-wan kenobi uh the middle of ms marvel and also apple tv plus's new half hour comedy starring maya rudolph called loot which if you uh have apple tv plus because you watched this movie you should Mm -hmm. probably check that out because it's a lot of fun i'm gonna you can hear more of my thoughts uh when that posts in a couple weeks uh as i said earlier you can also follow uh, my work on bill versus the mcu uh on the breakcast in addition to that and to justin's podcast over there we're launching two new podcasts um this month uh for our saturdays uh slot on the breakcast uh including not Couple Goals, uh, which is all about bad romances in mm-hmm. cinema history from Tyler McCarthy and Allie Nelson. They did uh, Deep Water uh, this week or this month, and uh, it's really fun. Uh, they're going to be doing two episodes a month. One is going to be on a classic movie about uh, bad romances, and one is going to be about like a new, more contemporary movie. So uh, definitely check that out. And when they're not going, there'll also be a new show hosted by Dan Cohen. Uh, called Batman by the Numbers, which is a monthly Batman-centered podcast ranking and reviewing the past, present, and future of The Dark Knight. So definitely check that out over there. I'm actually going to be guesting on their first episode, so it should be a lot of fun. We're going to be ranking all of the uh, Batman movies that have been released in theaters. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for your list because, you know what, if we we write it down, you know me and Marshall are going to tear it up. I can't wait. I hope it's a whole segment on your next <laughs> month's podcast. <laughs> thank you for that, Alex. Uh, and we want to thank all of our listeners and our subscribers. Thank you for sticking with us. We'll have much more content to come. But for now, this is Justin Mancini for the Cinema Joes signing off. <laughs>